This is the intro song for my asshole brain. <laughs> so welcome to My Asshole Brain, episode 19. And today we're going to take on a slightly more serious subject. Although not to imply the other subjects we haven't talked about are serious because actually all of them are. <laughs> but we'll probably be approaching this subject a little bit more seriously than we're normally doing. So. I make no promises. And I cannot be held accountable for her actions, so please don't come after me. Sorry. But uh, in light of the of the shooting in Dayton, Ohio, since Stephanie and I have both grown up around and inside Dayton, we felt like we needed to have a conversation about guns and violence. And it is August 20th now. The shooting in Dayton took place 16 days ago on August 4th. A lot of times when these kinds of things happen and people want to immediately talk about what we need to do to stop it and they talk about political changes that could happen, legislative legislative changes that could happen, there is some backlash to that because people say it's disrespectful that at this time... Yeah. Don't bring politics into it right now. We should be focusing on the people and the victims. Right. Which, yes. It does. And so, yes, it, it does make sense that we should not take tragedy and other people's loss as an opportunity to push political agendas. And that's not what we intend to do today. We actually just kind of want to take a look at it and discuss it and look at the history and maybe some reasons why it is such a common thing in the United States, what feeds into that. We don't have any solutions. We understand it's an incredibly complicated topic we're not going to blame any one thing because that would actually be irresponsible and ignorant to do so. And we're not experts in even, like, through research, a lot of the experts don't have, I mean... No, there is no one answer. Yeah, it's not black and white. It's not that simple. And, there... if, and if anyone claims there is a single answer, they're lying to you or they're stupid. So anyone who says, no, it's... Or both. Yes. Also an option. Probably both. So anyone who says, no, it's just a mental health issue, or no, it's just a gun issue, or it's video games, or it's music, or whatever, that is not true. It's not just anything. It's a combination of a number of things, and to oversimplify it is not helpful at, at all either. And at the same time, to yes, we want to be respectful to those lives that were lost and the people who lost loved ones. At the same time, when you wait too long to talk about something, people forget about it or they don't care about it as much anymore. Like the shock and sorrow and anger and grief wears off and they become apathetic. So I think it's very important to talk about things when they're still fresh, maybe not terribly fresh, but I do think that since it's been a little over two weeks that since we've recorded this and it'll be even longer since it's released that this is the time to talk about it. It needs to be talked about and not just tweeted about and not just sending thoughts and prayers and not just But thoughts and prayers do fix nearly everything. If only, if only, um, and not just, you know, removing violent video games displays from your stores while still selling weapons. (laughs) Right. Um, there, there are a lot of things that I think feed into this. And again, Stephanie and I are not experts. We don't have all the answers. But we... I texted Stephanie actually not long after it happened. I think it was a couple of days later and said, can we record this? Because I think it'll help me process it. Yeah, you did. 
And I want to talk about it, not because I think I know better than everyone else or I have a magical solution to all of it, but I think it's something that we need to stop portraying as though it's a one issue problem. And then if we fixed this one thing, it would go away. I think we need to recognize that it's incredibly complicated. It's a reflection of our entire culture that it's not going to be fixed anytime soon or even with just a single law. And so we want to better understand where it's coming from and just have a conversation. And maybe it will help people be open to talking about it more and maybe more intelligent people than us can put the pieces together in a way that they can find a solution. Or I even, don't have one. Or even make people that and think about it more or their perspectives on the issue or their opinions, you know, just yeah. kind of... Open, open dialogue. This is a very polarizing issue. Very, Absolutely. Yes. And I think Stephanie... And I mean anything that involves, you know, mass shootings, guns, automatically is going to be because there is so much political affiliation. And emotional. And emotional, yeah. obviously, yeah. And I, I think that it's anyone who listens or knows us personally, which I think is anyone who listens, um, <laughs> is pretty aware of the fact that, that Stephanie and I kind of lean liberal on a lot of things. The hell you say. However, that is not to say that we are liberal about all things. And I can't I can't speak for Stephanie. I can tell you for, for myself that even if I hold a certain ideology, I'm always open to listening to other people's ideologies. And um, I can be persuaded with a fair amount of logic and reason. So just because I have certain opinions and ideas about stuff doesn't mean that I'm not open to having calm, reasonable, educated conversations about such topics. Um, so I hope that even though this is a very emotionally charged topic, that anyone who's listening will be open to the things that we're talking about and understand that we are not actually trying to push an agenda. We're not trying to get you guys to vote a certain way or um, really do anything other than examine this and educate yourselves further on it and be open to all the things that are contributing and what kind of solutions we can take. And not automatically, I think one thing I saw in the wake, social media as it is, People making comments and just very knee-jerk reactions and, you know, oh, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. Or, you know, on, on both sides of the fence. Right. Just and, automatically reject, rejecting yeah. something because it doesn't fit with their personal yeah. beliefs. Yeah, and, you know, again, with emotionally charged things, people do that, you know. Yeah. That's, but it's obviously not helpful in the long run, and it doesn't allow for change. Yeah, it doesn't allow for rational discourse, and it doesn't allow for solutions to be brought to the table. Right. There is a reason why I don't let my students write about gun control because I say it's too emotionally charged of a topic and it's so polarizing and at the same time there's not much new to be brought to the table and so I would just be reading the same paper over and over yeah, and over and I'm say, interested you on both only, sides of the issue. You can only rehash so much of it. Yeah. I mean sometimes when there's new <clears> topics <throat> that are introduced we can discuss it. I remember having a pretty heated debate with Steve about um, arming teachers which I could spend an entire episode talking about as someone who is a teacher. And my job is to nurture yeah. and educate, not to um, fight and protect. Yeah. And while I do think that I would put myself in a position to protect my students, if you're going to expect me to 
protect them with a weapon, and you're gonna you're gonna have to give me the proper training and body armor to do so. Yeah, I think that's a much more complicated issue than people realize. It, it opens <laughs> up. Yeah, it's it's not that people make it seem very straightforward. We'll just it's give not. teachers guns. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you're talking about, like at the risk of sounding like a dick. You're talking about people that went to school and got masters of fine arts and English. Yeah. Like it's not people that are like ah. I'm not a soldier. I'd, yeah, I'd like to have a gun and yeah, like that. You need to train me how to shoot. You would also need me to to train me how to protect myself against a student who was angry and wanted to disarm me. A lot of my students are bigger than I am. Are you going to give me the skills in hand to hand combat? So if one of them comes at me and wants to disarm me, that I'm going to be able to fight them off. Yeah. Are you going to train me to be fast enough? Like, am I going to have like go out and practice? You know, like old timey. Are you going to back <laughs> me if something goes wrong right. and somebody tries to sue me? Right. If so, exactly. That I was mean, the other no, there's, thing. Yeah. There's, if someone takes my gun and uses it to kill other people, am I going to get sued and have my livelihood wiped out? Because yeah. there's it is so incredibly complicated. Yeah. And it's it's not like you know having a like it's not like the school could say. Oh, well, we're going to buy 15 guns, and we're going to keep them, but they're all going to be... Like, you can't pass them out and then put them back in a locker at the end right. of the day, like, you know, classroom calculators yeah. or computers. It's... Yeah. And, and who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for the weapons? Who's going to pay for the ammunition? Who's going to pay for the training? Who's going to pay for the licensing? Like I said, who's going to pay for the body armor? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to pay for all these things? So it's not just as simple as letting... Like, I can't, you know, me just going out and getting a concealed carry and showing up at school with, like, a really nice little harness strapped to my thigh because I think it looks, like, sexy and old-timey. That's, and and how is that going to make the students in my classroom feel? Yeah. So, um, that is an overly complicated issue as well, as this whole thing is. And and we're not even going to delve into that whole thing. I'm just saying, as a teacher, I can speak from my experience and how I feel about that and say that is also not a simple solution. I don't think there's anything involving guns that is a straightforward, simple that is solution. simple, because they're a part of our history. Yeah. I mean, you've got the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. You could argue that the types of arms that they were talking about were designed to... Way different. Yes, very, very different. Um, but the idea that we want to be able to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government, I understand that that's one of the reasons, like, you have a lot of people in militias who are concerned that the government's going to take away their their rights and their freedoms and their weapons and they want to protect themselves from that. And there was a time when I would have been like, those paranoid fuckers. Now I'm like, oh, I get it. So you don't want people in charge to come take things away from you or to harm you. You want the ability to protect yourself from a corrupt government. Yeah. Get it. I get it. However... I don't know that any of us can stand up to the United States military. That's always my argument. I'm like, when that amendment was written, the government was like the five dudes who lived down the cobbled street from you. And they all also only had muskets. Yeah. And they were also pissed off because when England was in control, they could be like, no, you have to keep these soldiers in your house. And they can eat your food and they can do what the fuck they want. And we were like, no. Fuck that. You right. can't make us do that. And we want to have our own weapons so that we can protect ourselves yeah. from such tyranny. Yeah, I'm going to say government now. Like, if the government wants to take over, they have tanks. Yeah. And drones and missiles and bombs. Yeah, like, we're kind of fucked. I mean, Waco was sort of a kind of good example of the government kind of can... Like, I'm... Uh, Waco. 
Oh my That's God. a whole other thing. I but listened re- to an episode regardless. That, <laughs> from last podcast on the left. I honestly, I suggest everyone listen to it because there was stuff that I learned about that. If they're to be trusted, I do think that they're pretty good at researching all sides of it. That made me look at it in a very different light. And it was very disturbing. As an adult, the few things I've heard about it that I, you know, obviously didn't learn because I was a kid when it happened. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't like hardcore into the news anyway. Right. Yeah, there's a few things that I've heard, and I've been like, oh, that makes the situation a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. David Crush was always painted as, like, some really crazy person that provoked the government and pretty much brought all that down on themselves. And 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 to some degree. He did. Not inaccurate, but. But but there's other things that are like, well, no, actually, um, he didn't, he wasn't as. Uh, pivotal in in bringing that destruction down upon them that there was some other really fucked up shit that happened that caused it yeah but you guys can go listen to that yourselves that's an entire other topic at the end of the day i think what we're saying is well i think we can all understand the idea like i understand people wanting independence to just go fucking live the way they want to live and have their weapons because they don't trust the government and they're afraid the government's going to take stuff away from them at the end of the day their neat little militias militia is not going to stop the government and the United States military from no. taking from unless you have we been, have a very large military yes. that has a lot of money put into it. Yeah. Now, if the people in the military recognize that what's happening is is not okay, and they have the courage and the ethics to recognize it and stand up to it. That's a different story. Yeah, that, that could be a different. There is, you can, and I wish Steve was here, but he's not. You can choose to not follow orders that you think are, uh, I believe, like illegal. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's if it can go as far as being like ethically Ethic- or morally yeah. questionable. I think there's some there. Um, so you still have a certain amount of autonomy if you think you're being ordered to do something that is is illegal or, or very, very wrong. So there's still the chance that if the powers that be decided to try to make war on the people of the United States and use the military to do that, that there are members of the military that, that could say, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Not on board with this. That's or- not what we signed on for. That's That's not... Part of what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to be protecting the people of the United States, not turning on them. Yeah. Um, so that, I know that is an argument for it, and I know that that is a huge part of our culture, and I totally understand that, and it's so embedded. That's why people are so passionate about it and right. so married to it. So to be like, yeah, I know this is a huge part of who we are, but we just want you to overlook that and let it go. And, it doesn't and, happen. I mean, it's, you know, it's the Constitution. Right. By and large... <laughs> That's kind of a really important document for our country, and there's a lot of, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Like, there are a lot of super important things in the Constitution, regardless of what your opinion is on firearms or the right to bear them. So, yeah, taking a piece of a document that is... It defines who we are. That is integral to our society and our country and saying, yeah, we're going to discount this one entirely. Yeah, that, you know, again, even people who aren't for guns look at that as a political like you can't it's just it's like really you don't hard. mess with the constitution yeah although we have we make amendments yeah i'm gonna time. say yeah <laughs> we have and we do but usually it's to grant like more freedoms like giving women the right to vote yes and, and that could honestly <laughs> i mean maybe that's some of the issue for people is you know generally our amendments are to give people more freedom not, not take it less, away so right, eh. right. 
Um, so that, that of course, is so ingrained in our society and our culture that to it's very, very hard to have a reasonable discussion about the Second Amendment and what that means to us. And um, that is something that Steve and I have had conversations about because he has, he and I share views, similar views on a lot of things, but that's one where there's certain things that he kind of leans toward and I'll be like, I just don't understand this. And he'd be like, well, it's because of this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, I still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see where you're coming from, but I still don't get it. I'm still not okay with yeah. it. But I also understand where he's coming from, like, in terms of um, de- uh, defining weapons, like, semi-automatic. Like, even a handgun could be considered semi-automatic by certain standards. And so he's like, if you're going to – people, you they say semi-automatic, and people think of, like, machine guns. He's like, but it's actually handguns, yeah. too. So that's part of his issue as well, because a lot of times when people talk about this, they don't understand oh, what yeah. they don't understand the vocabulary. Yeah, I'm gonna say I don't know the proper verbiage for most right. of that stuff. Like, and magazines, like what is a magazine yeah. compared to like so? Like this person shot, you know, this had a hundred rounds, two hundred rounds, you know, rounds, yeah, blah, did blah, it blah, come yeah. that way? Was it? Yeah. yeah, I don't. And then you get I don't this, know that stuff. And then you get into modifications and things like bump stocks and. Yeah, there, there are a lot of people who have opinions about it that don't really understand what they're talking about, yeah. including myself. Yeah. And so I could make a statement and say, oh, I don't think those should be legal, thinking I'm talking about one type of weapon when actually there's other types of weapons. Yeah. Do I think people should be allowed to have handguns in their own home if they do it responsibly? I'm actually okay with that. I I go back and forth on it. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, here's the thing. and, and this My is... initial, <laughs> as we said before, my initial knee-jerk reaction is, eh, No. I I don't do anything black or white, so I'm uh, always that devil's like, ad- I'm always that devil's advocate. Like, well, but well, that's it, why I, but it, it's, well, that's why I said that I think they should, but I also think that there's limitations on that. Right. I think it should be just as difficult to get a gun as it should be to get your license. Like, I think that you should have to apply for it. I think that you should have to take lessons in gun safety. I think that you should have to... You should have to do more than a 60-hour concealed carry yeah, thing you should, through should Yeah, you should have to demonstrate that you have a safe place to store your weapon so that people can't get to it. And I think that you should have to carry insurance on it. And if someone gets your weapon that you are liable legally and financially if you don't store your weapon properly and someone else takes it and uses it to do harm that's on you yeah so just like if i host a party for underage kids and they get drunk in my house i'm fucking liable for that so how come i'm to blame if kids get drunk in my house but if someone steals my gun and goes and kills people i'm not right that like that i have a problem with like we regulate other things to a higher degree than we regulate weapons and that bothers me because I think we need to be a little bit more consistent in trying to keep people safe and if we're going to regulate and license one thing then we should take a similar approach to other things that are equally as dangerous and they do you know people that you know make the arguments well there are you know there are a good amount of laws in regards to owning purchasing obtaining guns but it's one of those like, I think it's, I think it was Stephen Colbert, there's a thing where he says, you know, one person brought a shoe bomb into an airport, like, one time, and since then, everybody has to take their shoes off. Like, yeah. it's, th- like, that thing happened one time, and we made a huge deal. Right. This has happened You can't take hundreds onto a plane yeah. that are larger than right. three ounces. Right, And, like, this thing happened one time, and we changed everything and changed all these regulations. This thing has happened hundreds of times. And it's pretty much, you know, the argument has been, well, we already have things in place. They're just not enforced properly. Okay. 
Well, enforce them properly. Yeah. And or lock it down more. I'm like, yeah, like you said, we lock down whether or not you can bring a bottle of perfume on a plane. You can't bring a snow globe on a plane. You can't have a car without having insurance. It's illegal to drive a car without having insurance. Why don't you have to have insurance on a gun to make that requires you right. to store it? Well, in yeah, place I'm gonna say where you can't have access. If you to have it. auto insurance, you know you generally have to have a coverage to cover bodily injury, and if right. something happens to another person, right? That you know you can argue vehicles are just a gigantic weapon of death because of in some ways they are fucking are. <laughs> so you know why wouldn't you make that for something that's so much more? You can't put a gu- a car in your pocket. Like, it's pretty obvious. Uh, I, mean, like, I mean, smart car. Like, a hot, smart. like a hot wheel, but that's not a real car. Um, that's something that is pretty obvious. It's very out there. Like, yeah. you, you don't miss. You can't miss, conceal a car. <laughs> yeah, you don't miss a car. Guns are concealable. They're much easier to yeah. hide and sneak up on people. Yeah, why wouldn't that be? Why wouldn't that be something that we would want to make sure that there are some regular? Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know. Which I, I guess then people would say, well, that's why we have criminal laws. Uh, right. But that's there's, why there's, is- there's a counter argument to everything. <laughs> well, what about this? Well, this. And I'm sorry. Like, there could be people right now as we're talking about these things. There's probably people who are like, yeah, but what about this? Right. And arguing those points. And there's probably a few people who are like, oh, my God, these bitches. Right. Which is fair. It, it, you, but, you know, we're entitled to our opinions. You don't have to agree with them. Yeah, you don't have to listen. You don't please, have to like. Please listen. Well, you should still listen. <laughs> you don't have to like but us, you but you don't have to listen. agree with us. As we said, this is a really complicated Or just issue. download our episode. Sorry. It's, anyway. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's a complicated issue. We have our opinions and our thoughts. But even the stuff that I've talked about, do I think that's going to solve it? No, I don't. I don't think that licensing or background checks is still going to end the problems that we have. No. Because it's larger than just that. Yeah. So we've already talked about the fact that, that the Second Amendment and gun ownership is a huge part of American identity and culture. And that's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So if we want to look more at the history of not gun ownership, which we've already kind of talked about, considering that is was part of the foundation of the United States and the Constitution with the Amendment and all that, uh, let's look at the history of mass shootings. And so in my research, I was able to find that they began in the early 1900s uh, with early incidences focusing on family members rather than strangers. Um, however, they've risen in the past Four years, interestingly. I think I read something yesterday when I was researching, and it said it was just a little blurb that I came across and said last year there were 300 and what was it? The year before last, there were 333 mass shootings, and then the next year there were 338. So they are obviously that's only like an increase of five, but they do, from what I read, seem to be increasing. Yes. Each year. There, and there was a. You can, and I will put, again, I will put all of our sources, because we actually have a lot for this one. We really yeah, tried to do a, good a lot amount. of research. And I'll put those on the episode description so that people can look at where we're getting our information from. And there was one place that actually had charted it out and showed how, how it had gone up over the years and where the peak was. Uh, they have risen more recently. We did an active shooter training yesterday at my school and what was really interesting was the officer was talking about how schools are required to have fire drills once a month but they're only required to have three active shooter I think he said three a year however the last person in the state of Ohio that died in a fire at a school was in the 50s oh my god (laughs) 
<laughs> but last year we had a student die in a school shooting. So yeah. it's interesting that we spend more time doing fire drills with where fewer students die in those than they do in mass shootings. Yeah. But then I guess maybe at the same time there's a certain amount of order there's things you can do in reaction to a fire. There's a certain amount of predictability in terms of where it is and how fast it'll travel right. that you can't follow with a mass shooter. Like, it's a lot more yeah. chaotic Especially and Especially when there's incidences like Columbine and some of the, you know, the handful of others where there's, where there's more, than, more one. than one person. Right. And generally speaking, a fire starts in one place and spreads from right. there. It doesn't usually, you know, unless, of course, it's being set by some right. whole another. You know, it doesn't usually start in one place and another place. And pop up in random spots. Right. There's a- one central location that you can, you know, the goal is everybody needs to be away from that thing and right. accept it is everybody run the other way and go outside. Right. That's and, and not it spreads always... And it spreads in a path. Like, it doesn't jump around in random yeah. spots. So they have it on the rise. Uh, we're not as, as training training for them as much as we can but again maybe it's because there's not a lot that we can do we don't even they've been offering their uh what are they alice i think is what it's called they had one they sent out a thing they're offering them as trainings but it's people have to sign up for them at work okay instead of like i'm surprised they haven't made it a mandatory thing just because we do work in a public facility that has the public in and out of it and of course our doors you know have you're not supposed to have firearms here. I know for a mostly 90% probably fact that several coworkers have their guns on them inside at work during the day. Are they allowed to? No. Okay, just checking. But I, <laughs> I am comfortable in assuming that, oh, there are a handful of people that do not keep their handgun in their glove box, whether at work. Well, the- I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> You know, I know. the few people I know, I suspect I'm not. But it's kind of one of those like, I'm I'm surprised that because there are so many schools, especially that have started doing them. Yeah. I'm like, we are a public entity, and you like, and I'm you surprised. Heard, well, we and yeah, we're required to. Like, I had yeah. to be there for accreditation. I had to sit yeah. there and I had to sign my name to prove that I was present. So, if you're curious about what Alice stands for, it is Alert, Lockdown, Inform, Counter, Evacuate. Now what the video, which doesn't nothing about that tells you what it is. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, I'm sure if you went through the training, it would give you more information. Right, but it's about just that, that word means. by itself just sounds very pretty, and it makes me think. Yeah. Or it makes me think of like the the thing we had to watch about drugs when I was in high school. That was about go ask Alice and ah. yeah. It was a movie, I think Helen Hunt was in it, and she did drugs, and it was supposed to show you that drugs are bad. I remember learning about LSD in high school and thinking, actually, that sounds really fun. So I don't know that anti-drug (laughs) journey was cool, that the effect it was supposed to. That was not necessarily what they were going for, but yeah. But at um, the at the training that they did for us at our school, he did refer to Alice because that's what they, they are exposed to a lot in the high schools. They have, what we saw was a video where they've broken it down, and it's more so just, it's called um, Run hide fight so they they reduce it down even further so basically get the fuck out if you can yeah hide if you can't get the fuck out and if they're coming for you and they found out where you are fight fight for your life because uh he had said oh i remember what i was going to say earlier that i had forgotten he said that this varies from city to city but there was an average response time for when police get to you and the average length of time an active shooting goes on is shorter 
than the response time. So I think like in our area, uh, in Kettering, which is just outside Dayton, usually takes about four minutes for police to respond to something. But the average mass shooting is done within two. Jesus. So it's great to wait for authorities. And I think that the, the Dayton police definitely deserve recognition and praise for how quickly they responded there's some debate over how long it took because you and I have heard different numbers, yeah, but, it, but it was I, under 35 seconds. Yeah, the 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 Kettering officer I talked to said 38 seconds was that they had okay, in, so under 40 them. seconds. But you had also heard 24 at one yeah, point too. I heard 24 seconds. So it was roughly half a minute, yeah. and he was still able to kill nine people and injure 27. Uh, there was the Al Paso shooting. Which is, you know, depending on your number, a person shot per second. Yeah, it's, it's yes. Yeah, exactly. Which and, is a horrifying thought. And in El Paso, there were 22 killed and 26 injured. Now, I don't know how long that one. I didn't look up the, the time link for that. But I both of them either. took place within 20, within 24 hours of each other. So we had two two shootings where 31 people were killed and over 50 people were injured um, as a result. And so that was obviously upsetting to a lot of people. And so we do have responses to these types of things, but these have, this is not necessarily new, but yes, they are increasing with frequency, infrequency. The first mass murder was actually committed in 1949. And what was interesting is as I was doing the research for this, I had just listened to a podcast episode where they were talking about this incident and they had researched it and planned to talk about it before the El Paso and Dayton shootings had occurred. So they were already set to record it. And then when it happened, of course, like the the timing of it was frightening because they had thought, well, we should, they had thought they were doing it at a time where a recent one hadn't occurred because that's one of the things they were talking about is we should wait to talk I'm going to say, and they happen so frequently that it's... You... It's getting to a point anymore where it's kind of like... You can't... It's been three weeks yeah. since that one, but... Uh, right. So this idea of just, you know, giving a, a, a respectable amount of time before discussing things. Before, well, at the rate they're happening, we can't wait. We got to talk about right. it. Right. Um, so that one did happen in 1949. That was the first one, the first mass shooting that occurred where 13 people were murdered, including a child and a toddler, and injured three, and that it was in 20 minutes' time. Um, If you are interested, last podcast on the left was the one who just did the episode on that, if you guys want to hear it, where they talk about it, and the gentleman who did it, whose name I did not record, because one of the things that I have seen that's talked about this is we have to stop naming the shooters. Yeah. And, um, which I, I hear that argument and I get what people are going for, but my obnoxious brain is always like, it's public record. You have to, but yeah, stop. Quit talking about it constantly. We don't have to. It doesn't have to be the 24 hour. Right. There was a shooting on, at Ohio state a few years ago. I remember there was a lockdown on the campus and I don't know if the person actually shot or maybe they had a knife. I think maybe they had a knife. Something happened on Ohio state campus a a couple years ago. Yeah. And... Of course, that kind of impacted us as well because we were close by and someone I knew had a, a kid who was going there. So that was, it was very tense. Yeah. One of the things that I remember popping up, and I tried to find this article again and I couldn't, 
but there was a journalist who was talking about how we need to change the way that we approach this. And one of the things that they were talking about is um, we shouldn't name the shooters. We shouldn't show pictures of the, the scene. We need to stop showing first responders. We need to stop showing. We need to stop dramatizing it because that's what makes it exciting. Um, well, and I mean, it gets treated the way we look at movies and TV shows. Like yeah. It just it looks like that same thing. It's a dramatic event. Yeah. It's exciting. It's not real. So. Yeah. Uh, that and, and we will we'll talk about media and whether or not this plays a role in it as well. But um, it was after that that I saw this article that really talked about that. So when I talk about not naming them, that's something we'll discuss a little bit further too. So uh, I didn't even write down the name of that man's of the man who did that in 1949. You can find it if you're really. I'm going to say curious. I just found it, but you can look it up yourself. Yeah, so. they can look it up themselves if they want to. Uh, but school shootings date back to the 18th century, and the first one actually took place in 1764 when a group of, is that Lenape, I guess, or Lenape? I don't know. I think Lenape. Lenape American Indians entered a school and Sorry, we're really white. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, no disrespect, I just don't always know how to pronounce things. Uh, entered a school and shot and scalped nine or ten because, you know, it was 1764, so some of the... Yeah. Records are literally not yeah, fabulous. Right, but they shot and, and scalped a bunch of kids. And it was retaliatory. Right. Um, so I'm not trying to demonize Native Americans or anything like that. We certainly did our first Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. We've... Sorry. Yes, that's a completely <laughs> other topic that we could get into. The atrocities that we've yeah. committed against the Native American people um, outnumber that by and large. Yeah. But just, that, yeah. Speaking historically, yes, that's the that first. That just so happens is the first recorded um, mass shooting in 1764. Yeah. So this is not necessarily something new, uh, even though it is becoming more common. And, and again, it's also one of those things, you know, we're a much more interconnected society and yes. world and country than we were, hell, even 50 years ago. Yeah. So... Things that you might not have heard about that happened months earlier, yeah, you hear about immediately now, right. and that changes it a lot. And that's something else to take into consideration here. So the research we looked at, it is increasing. That That is true. A lot of times, though, people want to make generalized statements about the world in general, like everything's going to hell, right? Like there's so much more violence and so much more war. Actually, there's not. There's less poverty. There's more education. There's fewer wars. So by and large... In the world, we are less violent than we used to be, but that doesn't mean that there's not certain types of violence that are increasing or, or right. are growing more common. Um, so I'm not trying to be completely cynical and pessimistic yeah. here and say everything's terrible. Well, and also, you know, the with media and the news, the way they report things, it's kind of one of those, it happens once, and then if it happens again, even if it's, you know, two years late, yeah, it turns into, you know, there's a pandemic of this. Yes. So we, the news tends to catastrophize things. Right. Not to say that, as you said, you know, it's definitely increasing, but the focus changes with the media and the news. And yes. And that makes a big difference. Right. And that, and, and so media portrayal of it is, is, some argue, part of the problem. However, some of the stuff I said said, actually, no, media isn't playing into that. So I guess, so um, I'm going to jump to myths then. I have a whole lot of things that we're going to talk about. And since we're already discussing kind of like what may or may not contribute to it, there are a lot of myths that are surrounding mass shootings. Uh, the very first one is that video games 
cause violence, cause violent behavior or mass homicide. And this is another topic that I've told my students I don't want to read about anymore, by and large, because it has been proven by multiple studies that this just isn't true. In fact, I remember reading something a while ago that said that people actually work through aggressive emotions through playing video games, that they feel better after doing it, that it doesn't make you feel more violent. It actually alleviates stress and, and violence that you may have been feeling due to stressful situations. I gotta be honest, I played Grand Theft Auto for a long time and that was strangely react, relaxing. Did it make you want to go kill I never once sex was like, workers with yeah, your cars? It never once was like, that was super awesome. I'm gonna go right. run over some hookers and take their cash. Yes. And, and I was... I, I may have felt bad about you know the general idea, but it was a video game. Right. And never once would I was like, this totally fuels my idea of doing it. Yeah, this and is the, real life. And, yeah, and the video game thing never made sense to me because I'm like, okay, well, tons of people play Super Mario Brothers, Mario right. Kart. Like, you don't hear about, like, a obscene increase in people, you know, go-karting or <laughs> people stomping on mushrooms. Like, I... Yeah. I mean, Pokemon Go got kind of obnoxious for a while because people were just, like, walking around doing stuff and right. kind of pestering people for a little bit. But they were they also like, exercising more, so they it still were. That's true. I mean, there were some people whose houses had been designated as gyms and were like, why the fuck are all these people hanging out outside the house, my house? Yeah. That was the extent of the damage caused by it. Yeah. Um, nah. So let's please lay that to rest. Video games that are violent do not make people right. behave violently. Let's just set that one to rest because I'm fucking tired of hearing it. To be honest, and it's yeah, it's and it's again, again, <laughs> you, your correlation. I'm like, okay, so did you grow up watching Wile E. Coyote and right. Roadrunner? Thing. I mean, literally, those like some of the cartoons we saw as kids were literally just nothing but one person beating or animal, as right. it were, beating and torturing another thing, and you know, anthropomorphic, so totally supposed to be like people. Every single Warner Brothers cartoon was about a dynamic between two characters that was violent and aggressive the entire time. Sylvester and Tweety, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny. Elmer Fudd and Daffy Duck. And Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Like Tom Tweety. and Jerry. To- like, exactly. Which I don't know if that's Warner Brothers, but it's neither here nor there. Um, uh, I don't think it was, but it's still, it's same all concept. the cartoons we grew up with. Yeah. That, like, so let's not pretend that watching that stuff makes us become more violent people. Yeah. People have been entertained by violence from the beginning of time. I mean, look at ancient Greek where you had uh, gladiators. Yeah, I'm going to say the Roman Colosseums. Right. Yeah, all of that stuff. It's and Up through the years, you had shit like bear baiting, boxing, MMA fighting. We have always loved violence. This is nothing new. So to pretend that all of a sudden because people can shoot people on a video game that that's making us more violent. Being interested in violent, uh, watching other people be violent does not necessarily make you violent yourself. Because if it did, then we then we would be having we would have had mass murders from the beginning of right. time. Well, and think about like I was thinking about this when I was researching yesterday. It's been a lot because we had the the Ted Bundy movie and the Ted Bundy tapes and stuff yeah. on Netflix. Think about the obsession that people, a lot of people have with serial killers yeah. and things like that. And again, if having a fascination with serial killers and true crime and stuff, and you know, having fascination with violence led to violence, 
we would have way more, we would have way more serial killers, which I mean, I guess we could. We I would be them. in jail by now because I have been reading horror since I was right. like twelve years old, and I listen to true po- crime podcasts constantly. Yeah. I have never wanted to kill people. Yeah, no, okay, that was, yeah, I was going to say, I was, like, I, I was like, I like that you said that because I'm not sure if I could say that honestly. Okay, so um, to be fair, there have been times when I've had the impulse, but I've never right. had it to such a degree that I followed through. I think everyone feels like, oh, I want to fucking kill yeah. them sometimes, but we don't follow I've, through with yeah, it. Yeah, I've right. never legitimately. And yeah, I there was a good chunk of time, probably about 10, 12 years, where literally all I read was true crime yeah. novels. And yeah haven't committed any crimes right a lot of times people use it to work through the negative emotions that they have we've talked about this before in terms of horror it helps us with work through anxiety um maybe if you're dealing with some aggressive feelings and you need to work that out you play a violent video game it doesn't a lot of times it helps you alleviate those emotions rather than creating those emotions so we i 100 agree we need to lay that one to rest because i'm tired it's a scapegoat it's a ridiculous stupid scapegoat and i'm tired of hearing it. like you know this you know satanic music causes you know all that stuff like no (laughs) that's not we should talk about the satanic panic sometime that was a whole interesting fun game that would be well yeah because you remember like marilyn manson got blamed not that he makes satanic music because he doesn't but like he was he and video games were blamed for Columbine, which is again ridiculous um so the other myth uh mass shooters are male white supremacists and this is something that i honestly didn't think was much of a myth because to be honest most of them have been white men from what i recall i'm gonna say i by and large right but you also have to remember that the the statistics of mass shootings are anything where there's what more than like four three or four people shot so yeah the news ones tend to cover the major ones obviously and the public ones we don't hear about so much the domestic violence ones and the ones you know in people's houses and front yards right so yeah that that does i think skew what we perceive to be the makeup of shooters and if anyone's um curious to see what this is all about there's a website called the conversation which really tries to weigh both sides of issues and dispel myths and search for what's really true and what people say and uh this is the article where i got all the information about the myths from so what they say is overall the ethnic composition of the group of mass shooters in the u.s is roughly equivalent to the american population so we so need, still predominantly white. It is, but that's because the population of the exactly. United States is predominantly yeah. white. So statistically speaking, then the if you look at the 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 spread, if you want to call it that, of 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 the races of the different people who are doing the mass shootings, it's very similar to the breakdown of the population overall. Yeah. Uh, most mass homicide perpetrators also don't proclaim any allegiance to a particular ideology at all so while we like to think that there are all a bunch of nazis out to kill people the truth of the matter is most of them don't adhere to an an ideology that they're preaching a lot of them are doing it because they're angry and they're lashing out not just because they're trying to further a political belief or cause it is true however that the majority are male and the few female mass shooters that exist tend to target family rather than strangers because we really like to make it personal <laughs> it's fair so when they don't just go out and kill everybody they kill the people who really fucking deserve it so <laughs> <laughs> the people that have made them the most right. angry the most recently 
Uh, and mental illness, which we talked about, I've already mentioned people want to blame that as that it's mental illness, which I think it's very interesting that people want to blame mass shootings on mental illness, but there's not a push to take better care of people with mental I've problems. seen a couple things in the last few weeks about people talking, as is always after these events, about helping with our mental mental health crisis in the country right. and offering better treatment. And my thing is always, it tends to come from people like... Literally, you do not care about mental health problems or mentally ill people until you want to it comes them. to stuff like this and you need a scapegoat. Yep. And of course, my huge issue with that is, yes, I'm sure there are mass shooters that have mental health issues or diagnosed or undiagnosed, but I know lots of people with mental health problems. And as far as I'm aware, none of them are mass shooters. It, to say that it is always, and that's what I see. That is one of the first things that is always stated is it's a mental health thing. The person had mental health problems. And I get so mad at it. Don't say that like I heard that about the shooter in Dayton. That was one of the first things that came out was mental health, mental health, mental health. And at that point, we'd heard virtually nothing about him. And my I found that infuriating. There's absol- There is no basis for that statement. Now, I think since then, things have come out and they've said that he did have issues. He supposedly, this is what I've heard, you know, I haven't. I don't know if it's official, but I've heard people say that he had sought help for things. But again, up until that point, no one had that confirmed. Don't just automatically assume. Well, we did hear that it did come out that he had like a kill kill list and a in high list in, in high school. In high school, yeah. I, I don't know if that's true or not. but Which I guess you can argue, you know, violent tendencies are a mental health issue, but... Having a rape list, I think, is a sign that you're probably not entirely healthy. Uh, however, presumably. However, I think the reason people respond in that way is because most of us would never consider doing that. So our response is, for someone to go kill a bunch of people, they must be crazy. Yeah. Right? So I understand why people say, oh, obviously if this person resorts to murdering people, they're insane. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, mental illness is kind of like a catch-all term that can cover any number of things. Like, you and I, some people would probably call us mentally ill. I don't know why I'm laughing when I say that. What do you mean? Because we struggle with anxiety. Right. Because we struggle with depression. And that's actually something that we talked about in the very first episode. I asked you if you consider yourself mentally ill, and you said you do. And honestly, at that point, I did. I... Do you feel better? You maybe not so much anymore. I have had medic medication changes, and yeah, right. honestly, it's one of those things. I don't even know who that old person was, which is kind of fun, but that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, it's a whole new topic. <laughs> Yay! And I said I don't consider myself mentally ill. Yeah, and I. Let's be, and let's be honest, there are plenty of people who are legitimately mentally ill, like they're schizophrenic. Yes. Or they're bipolar. Yes. Or something. But they they do, don't consider themselves as such, right. and not just because they're because of psychosis. Isn't but isn't that one of the things they say? Like if you worry that you're insane, you're not insane. Like people who are insane don't worry. That exactly insane, that right? kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, again, like you said, it's a catch-all term. But there's a lot of types of mental illness, and many of them do not result in violent tendencies. Yeah. And that's I, something I would that's say very the vast majority, from right. what I've seen in studies, you know, show, yeah, the vast majority of it doesn't. You know, and right. that's why media portrayals have changed so much in movies and TV shows because it used to be. If something happened, it was like, oh, well, it's that crazy guy that has multiple personality disorders. And it's like, that's that's not how that works. Right. So I should probably stop chewing on ice before I keep talking. 
No, no, go ahead. (laughs) The majority of people with mental illness do not commit violent crimes. So let's make that very clear. People who are mentally ill are not more inclined to commit violent acts than people who are mentally well. And let's throw out that whole, you know, mental health illness, you know, that stigma of mental health issues. Yeah. That's no, it. if you have a mental health issue, you're not automatically batshit insane and yeah. violent. Right. Stop telling people that yes. because that's why people don't get help, et cetera, et cetera, Right, et cetera. because there's this tr- this terrible stigma. So every time someone does a mass shooting and we blame it on mental illness, we're actually furthering a negative stigma. Right. Pe- people who are mentally ill, the majority of them are not violent. Yeah. So we need to stop pretending that, like, everyone who does bad things is, is, is crazy and all crazy people do bad things. Yeah. That's simply that's not, not the truth. Some people are perfectly sane and do terrible things. A lot of people are not entirely sane and don't hurt anyone. Right. A lot of times, in truth, most people who struggle with mental illness, the only person they're likely to harm is themselves. That's one of those things, like, when you, you know, when you see therapists or shrinks or whatever, that's one of those questions they ask either, you know, in the beginning or as you're proceeding through treatment. You know, they do those check-ins. Have you yeah. had any, have you wanted to hurt yourself? And usually the first question they ask is, have you wanted to harm other people? And when I've been in situations where that question's asked, I always, which in retrospect, not a good way to answer it, but I always laugh and say no. And then, you know, occasionally, depending on who you do that with, you get a weird look. But my thing is always, it's never occurred to me when I've been truly depressed or anxious or miserable or suicidal, as it were. To hurt another person. Yeah. Obviously not suicidal. It's to remove yourself from the equation. Yeah. Like, I've never legitimately been homicidal. I've no. never been like, I want to hurt and injure everyone no. in my path. No. I would hurt me. Yes. Because depression is internalized yeah. anger. It's anger turned itself. Which, if you're my mother, you point out that you, as in me, is a person. So that technically is, you know, because mom's. Right, but at the end of the day, and I get what she's saying. Yeah, but at the end like, of the day, but I'm like, at the end, you're of the twisting day, things around there. But I get what you're doing. I see what you're saying, but at the end of the day, what it means is that you're not out to hurt others. Yeah. That the only person that you're really looking to hurt probably is yourself. Yeah. And if you're truly suicidal, you're not looking to take a bunch of people out with you. Yeah. You're actually just looking to remove yourself. Which, of course, then you run into you know the issues about you know, suicide by cop, and there has been some argument that some of the mass shooters. That was their goal, which... It could be. I, but at the same time, I, I then why did they hold themselves up somewhere? Why did they have to take other and that's, people with them? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, in a lot of those cases, they're dead, so it's not like you... And even if they weren't, you, you would... Yeah, even if they weren't, you probably would never get an answer yeah. that would satisfy anyway. But yeah, in those situations, I'm like, if that was really their end goal, why mm-hmm. would they take... Yeah. Yeah. True depression, mm-hmm. like when you're really super depressed, the idea of trying to put together I, all that shit, like... Yeah. The type Let's of, be honest. That's a lot of planning and, and even, organization even when it's not efforts. well planned or organized, that's still a lot no. of planning and organization. No. And if you're in the depths of depression. No, you don't have the energy You, you haven't that. showered in five right. days. Believe me, planning something like that. Planning is, a mass shooting when you're depressed. No, you can't fucking brush your own hair. So you're telling yeah. me that you're going to plan, like you're going to get organized, you're going to get all these weapons and you're going to get body armor. You're gonna, no. You're going to figure out where you can get no. in. Depressed people can... don't do that. No. It's, no, they don't have the energy for that shit. Mental illness such as psychosis as well as a mixture of depression with antisocial traits is a risk factor for violent behavior. But I would, again, psychosis and antisocial traits. That's a very specific cocktail yeah. Of mental illness. Not every mental Ill, mentally ill person has 
psychotic tendencies right. and antisocial traits. And it's only a risk factor. Right. It's but still are, not proof. Right. There are a lot of risk factors for violent behavior, including history of abuse. And there are a lot of people who have been abused that don't go on to yeah. abuse. Well, so, remember, well, I mean, for the longest time, it was one of the, you know, if you came from a family, a broken family. A broken family, family yeah. You, know, you were more likely to do this. You were more likely yeah. to do that. And again, millions of, well, I don't know about millions, lots of people have gone through divorces oh, either. I would say millions. I yeah. think you're right. And not all children of divorce are dysfunctional are or completely in you know are insane or dysfunctional or yeah. murderers or rape like it's I not... came from a dysfunctional family and then divorce and then more dysfunction and I still haven't killed which anybody. probably you wouldn't have <laughs> probably the divorce for you was because of the dysfunctional childhood oh, from divorce. So really. Oh, my divorce. Yeah. So I can So look at that. Divorce. So it's just continuous. <laughs> and I still haven't killed anybody. Right. I just want to point that out there. Yeah. Um, so what they do say is that, of course, improving access to mental health services would benefit a lot of people. It, many, many people. And so by coincidence, some people who might have violent tendencies could benefit from that as well. Right. But focusing only on mental health is unlikely to put much of a dent in social violence. Yeah. So, like, it might and help. And considering the fact that, you know, we only say we should focus on it, nothing actually changes. Yes. So that's the thing. Like, you so can... a lot of lip service. Right. But there's nothing We need to worry about the mentally ill people in this country if we want to solve this crisis. Yeah. Oh, so what should we do? Can we go back to the 70s and prevent the whole deinstitutionalization de- of a bunch of people that created homeless? And Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, and then lastly, the last myth, they said mass homicide is becoming more frequent. Now, I did say that mass shootings have become more frequent based on one of the statistics that I saw. However, this says actually they've been kind of consistent between 2006 and 2019. Which again, like we said before, could be because of news media portrayal. It could be. So they are on the rise. They have been more frequent it's in, in the 2000s than they right. were in years leading up to that. In the past 13 years, we've kind of like just had a nice... St- it's a nice <laughs> little plateau. Cool. Yeah. Um, however, bright side, other forms of violence have decreased over the past 25 years. So by and large, society is less violent. <laughs> but it's just when, when we do see violence, it's in a large scale. Yeah. Big, yeah. We're just, we've just become more efficient at our violence. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things I want to Which, look at... Which, you know, our country is nothing if not efficient. Uh, well, I thought that was the Germans. I thought they were the ones who were most efficient. <laughs> Commonalities amongst shooters. This is one of the things that I want to look into as well. Is kind of figure out, like, what is something that we can see across all of these people? Um, and some of these things are actually pretty similar to the list of what you see in people who are serial killers as well. Weird. Weird. Which, I mean, you could argue that mass shooting and serial killers are... Yeah, the mass shooters just get it done all at once. Yeah, I'm going to say instead of extending it, it, yeah, it's essentially the same concept. Yeah, I mean, it's the same number of people killed. It's just the the amount of time. (laughs) Again, efficient. Right. (laughs) That's the end of the first part of episode 19. Please stay tuned in two weeks to hear the rest of our discussion. This is the intro song for my asshole brain. (laughs) 